Hello, welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, I'm going to be taking on a couple of topics. One, you may have heard that the New Jersey DOT was instructed by the Federal Highway Administration just last week to cool it with message signs that feature humor. Those are the signs you see on the highways, dynamic message signs known as DMS uh, in industry parlance. So I'm gonna talk to somebody who knows a little bit about humor and its use in transportation messaging, Lloyd Brown, formerly the communications director for the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, AASHTO, where I came to know him. He now works in communications for the transportation consultant, HDR. And then after that, we're gonna take on what the future of Twitter might mean to DOTs, uh, which have prolific Twitter feeds and other social media platforms. And it's really been an important tool for sharing information, real-time information with travelers. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of interactive uh, communication between users and the DOTs. So we're kind of wondering what that might mean. And he's got some expertise there too, having uh, written uh, reports and, and summaries about the use of social media. So Lloyd, thanks for taking time to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So let's talk first about this issue. You know, you and I have talked about this for a long time uh, between ourselves. What messages work? Uh, which ones actually, you know, cause people to alter their behavior? And just because you laugh at something when you drive by and chuckle, does it necessarily mean that you suddenly slow down and become more attentive to the road? Um, it's kind of like proving a negative. You know, we know what uh, what what might not work, but we can't prove for sure whether it does work or not. Um, lots of strong feelings about this on all sides. We're still not sure as of recording this because the story is pretty fresh, whether this was just somebody in the New Jersey division of the Federal Highway Administration or whether this actually came out of D.C. But I mean, what was your first takeaway upon hearing about this? Well, like you said, you and I've talked about this for a lot of years and and, uh, you know, it's been interesting because I'm I'm of the mind that uh, if if we can't prove it's not working, what harm is it doing? Let's go ahead and, and add a little bit of humor and spice up the conversation. Um, the counter argument is these are safety devices and they're meant to provide critical information to the public about traffic conditions and what may be ahead of them on the road. And so by cluttering up the message channels with um, what may be miscellaneous information, we're sort of taking away from the usefulness of those tools. But um, I'm, you know, like I said, Jeff, I'm, I'm of a mind that that humor actually adds value to uh, the whole conversation and gets people talking about not just in the moment how they're driving, but talking about the issue of traffic safety and being a better driver in general. Well, maybe it's possible to be too funny because it sounds like some of the concerns in New Jersey were that people were uh, trying to, you know, stop and take photos of the signs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, there was a tweet that uh, they sent out that said um, they wanted people to to stop pulling over and taking pictures of their signs. The the messages were uh, a, maybe a little bit beyond what a few other states have done. I know that um, you know one of them. One of the real famous ones is uh, "Keep your head out of your apps" and you know some of those sorts of that originated humors. in Iowa, didn't it? 
I believe Iowa was was one of the first, and uh, some of this started back. Oh, it was about at least ten years ago. Uh, some of the states got together and began sharing messages about uh, May the Fourth, and they did a Star Trek or I'm sorry, Star Wars theme. Yeah, and, may the fourth uh, be with you. Yeah. May the fourth be with you, and some of those things. So um, I, I believe that's where some of this started. But you know, when you look at humor the science of humor, it's really a, a tactic that improves people's memory of a particular item. When you when you have something that's humorous, it's more sticky. Um, it, it, it leads to the, an ability to recall the words and the messages. Um, yeah, it's like creating a rhyme. That's right. That's right. And once it's sticky, then people are also more likely to share humor. It can increase it can humanize a bureaucratic voice so that it's more relatable and uh, people then increase their trust with that brand or organization. And that's something that I think social media in general has led uh, state DOTs to maybe try a little bit more because we've been able to do that in our social media accounts. And that, I think, led us into trying some of this on the changeable message signs as well. Well, and I think that yeah, at its best, what social media platforms have done for DOTs and other government agencies is is show the public that these are real people behind the wheel, that these are human beings who have the same concerns that you do that are doing this. And that's what we all try to do. Um, people in our jobs is humanize our workforce. It's like you can always be mad at your local street department or the DOT, the, the nameless, faceless edifice, right? They just, they're, whatever they do, it's wrong. You know, it's slowing me down. It's in the way. But when you find out that the people that are doing this are actually your friends and neighbors and they go to your church and coach your little league team, that these are real people. And that's what I think, you know, social media does. It It shows that these are human beings that are, that are communicating with you. But when it comes to the message signs, I think, you know, you've seen the study that uh, MDOT commissioned with Michigan State University and found people were kind of split. If you if you ask in terms of popularity on using humor or using messages about fatality numbers, you know, to try to get people's attention. Um, but like 90 percent overwhelming numbers, they want the signs to be used and they didn't say instead of, but they just really favor the signs being used for news you can use, right? Like, I, I need to know that there's a storm that's slowing me down ahead or that there's a bad crash, that there's construction, that there's some reason I need to maybe seek a detour. Um, you know, like we always used to say in the newsroom, make me smarter, right? This is what I want. I want something that makes me smarter, makes me smarter as a driver, not necessarily even safer, just helps me get home sooner or wherever I'm going. You know, Jeff, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the messages really from the from the perspective also of inclusion uh, if the if the humor is uh, rooted or if the context of the humor is sort of lost on on people if it if it goes over their head like if you're making a Taylor Swift reference and most people don't or not most people but some people don't know who Taylor Swift is then maybe you're sort of missing the point and and you're you're not you're not able that that safety message isn't really landed uh, the way you intended it. And so therefore it's not as effective. Similarly in transportation, you know, we use all these acronyms and and uh, we've got this jargon and it's anti-inclusionary. So the, the humor when it's used needs to be done in such a way that the most people could, can relate to it and understand the message that it's trying to convey. So, you know, what you're touching on is another 
story. I think I first saw it in Axios and I got picked up elsewhere, uh, finding that, you know, there's a generational divide on the use of emojis. It's kind of the same thing you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, I have a I have a a son who's in in college. And when uh, we were driving in uh, in uh, suburban Washington, D.C., he was learning to drive and he saw some of the references to uh, on uh, some of the clever messages on the signs there. He didn't understand what the what the point was. He didn't get the context of the joke. And so maybe that's why some of the younger people that are being polled in this Michigan study uh, didn't really think humor was was effective is because maybe the 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 jokes themselves weren't really pertinent to them or they didn't understand what was trying to be explained to them. You mean that sometimes people think they're funny and they're not? That's been my experience. Certainly, my wife has uh, has uh, assured me that I'm not so funny either. So, yeah, my my wife and my kids for sure. Yeah, I just uh, I just continue to amuse myself, I guess. Yeah. So, go go on more with uh, what you think is is going on with the the Federal Highway Administration going back to you know the Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices and leaning on that for why they're, you know, it's like, what, a 31-paragraph ruling about the uses and non-standard syntax on changeable message signs. It sounds so bureaucratic, and it makes it easy for critics who want to say, you know, there's the federal government just being bureaucrats, not having any sense of humor. Um, I think the thing we probably need to make clear is that everybody has the best of intentions here. Everybody has safety as a priority, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, different ideas. People who have been in this and are passionate about it and have been trying everything they can. Um, you know, DOTs, I think a lot of the people sometimes feel like we've done all these things in design and in in our maintenance and our practices. And there's only so much we can do when it comes to messaging, but we want to do everything we can because we we take it personally. We try to build and maintain the safest system we can. We can't human proof it. People are still going to make mistakes. So we're doing what we can to try to put the focus on behavior. And, you know, nobody's got a, an easy answer. I mean, our cars are getting safer. We know that the manufacturers have done all kinds of things to make them safer. Yet we're, you know, probably going to surpass 2020 for crash deaths uh, in, in 2022, uh, 21 might have been uh, a little different as people emerge from the pandemic, but in the overall arc, we're going in the wrong direction, right? Yeah, and and I, you know, I just need to say I I don't really know what's going on at, at FHWA, and 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 uh, I think your point is exactly right that everybody's trying to do the right thing. The the uh, I I would defend you know anybody who says these devices should be used only for you know, the most basic of information, what makes you smarter? Um, because uh, ultimately, uh, these tools are, um, you know, the justification for these tools was to tell you if the bridge ahead is open or closed, or you know, if there's a incident up ahead that, you know, merge to the right, or some of those kinds of basic instructions. But additionally, uh, I also understand when people say, hey, we have this tool in our toolbox, and people, when they're, you you want to catch people with a message that makes a difference 
when they're actually in the act of doing something. So that's why uh, we used to have uh, 511 radios, highway advisory radios along the side of the road. Those have mostly been de- decommissioned because people don't listen to terrestrial radio as much as they used to. Um, but the same idea uh, was to try and catch people while they're on the road and give them information. And in this case, the the humor part was really pointed toward what I was saying earlier. We're trying to make the idea more sticky, resonate more, and humanize the issue a bit so that people would perhaps pay attention and carry on the conversation even once they got from behind the wheel and went on to other things. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to watch this uh, over the next few days or maybe weeks um, and and find out if this is an edict that is going to, you know, have some kind of an effect on other state DOTs and what they're doing, or if this was, you know, an isolated thing for whatever reason in New Jersey. Um, I just, I think it's too early to tell. And I know you don't know either, or you would tell us. <laughs> I would, yeah. And I, do, I don't, but uh, whatever comes out, if there, if there, if something does come out or, or if this is just a blip, uh, I can, I can guarantee that having been around transportation for well over 20 years, uh, the conversation is going to continue and people will continue to try their darndest to communicate with the drivers to get them to slow down, pay attention, drive more safely and just get where they're going safely. At the end of the day, that's that's ultimately you just said it yourself. That, that That's ultimately what we're trying to do. Get people home safely. Yeah, well said. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Did you know Newton's first law of motion states that a body in motion will continue moving at the same speed and same direction, while the second law states that an object acted upon by the force will undergo... Wait, I thought this was a snowplow safety message. It is, which is why this is relevant. Don't you think that's complicating things just a bit? Not at all. A snowplow weighs 17 times more than your average car. Right, and snowplows tend to travel at slower than posted speeds. So the third law states that action and reaction are equal and opposite. I think it's easier just to remind motorists to give plows the room they need to do their jobs. Follow at a safe distance and don't drive into snow clouds. Things like that. Well, if you're going to make it that simple, why don't you just say don't crowd the plow? Great idea. Stay safe this winter. Don't crowd the plow. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Let's jump to the other topic we were going to discuss, uh, your suggestion, and a very good one, I think, to talk about Twitter. Um, You'd have to have been marooned somewhere in Antarctica not to know that Elon Musk, uh, after some back and forth, he was going to buy Twitter, and then he wasn't going to buy Twitter, and in the end, he couldn't get out of the deal. And so now he's making radical moves to try to make it profitable and that has a lot of people concerned, a lot of people angry about the lack of safeguards, uh, you know, things that are already going away in the name of free speech, which, you know, you can call it that, but uh, it's arguable that, you know, <laughs> free speech is not absolute. Let's uh, let's let's explore what it means, because, you know, and you have some history with that, um, as you put it, a critical foundational communication channel for DOTs and other government agencies, but specifically focusing on DOTs and how we get information to people and interact with people. 
you know, with our main central feed at, at MDOT in Michigan and then our region feeds on top of that, uh, you know, we communicate with some 210,000 people that way. And I know some states have more. We use uh, Facebook prolifically and other platforms, but Twitter alone is it's probably the most interactive, like in, in the in the moment of, of all those things. Right. It really is. It's become uh, sort of the newspaper of the 21st century. Uh, people go to it to get the most up to date information in an urgent breaking news kind of moment. So the times where we see the DOTs really rise to the occasion uh, during weather events, like what we saw in New York and up in the upper Midwest over the last few days with the big snow, um, people will turn to Twitter. They'll turn to Facebook, maybe uh, to a lesser extent, but but definitely to Twitter to see if there's any information about uh, how the DOTs are responding or uh, what the local emergency uh, officials are doing to clear roads or help people out in certain situations. So it's become that critical foundational communications element. And uh, it was really interesting. Uh, I wrote some of the first reports uh for Ashto back in the in around 2010, I think we did our first social social media report on state DOTs. And and at the time there was a handful of DOTs that had Twitter accounts. And we just watched as every year more and more DOTs came on board with with uh, with Twitter in particular, and Facebook followed a little bit slowly, a little bit slower behind it. But what they found was it was this great way. It sort of took the place of radio. You could broadcast out information. But here we are now in 2022, almost 2023, and the whole tenor and tone of of the platform has changed. And so it leads me to wonder if in a situation of, of, uh, you know, maybe a governor or maybe somebody in some high level decision making authority says, okay, for whatever reason, we're going to leave this platform what does the government agency do in that sort of situation to replace the utility that Twitter now provides uh, to reach so many people? And and that's what has me kind of concerned as a communications person and somebody who's concerned about the the quality of public information that's out there. Well, where do you think this is going? I mean, I think it's possible that that some governors in some states if not even the Biden administration say, you know what, we're just not going to participate in this anymore. It's too, it's become too much of a free for all, too much of the wild west, um, too hostile, too many fake accounts, parody accounts uh, that, you know, look, do little things to distinguish themselves, but look very much like they could be an official government Twitter feed. Um, I know it's hard to predict the future, but I mean, these are all things you've been thinking about. I think that is a potential for sure. I think the other thing is that more and more people, individuals in the public say, uh, I'm just not going to participate individually. So um, what happens in those situations, if they don't cancel their account, uh, the DOT might still show 500,000 followers on Facebook, but when or Twitter, excuse me, but when they send out a message, they're really only communicating with a much smaller fraction of of that audience. So, in effect, what we think is this bigger reach is maybe not getting the kind of reach that we think it is. So, yeah. there's that that could be happening too. People could be voting with their feet and walking away. Yeah, and I, you know, Tom Nichols, who's you know a 
writes for the Atlantic Magazine and is a scholar and is on a lot of podcasts on the news a lot, commenting on current situations. Uh, and I heard him on the bulwark yesterday saying that uh, he thinks Twitter, because of ease of use, uh, you know, he's he doesn't see himself jumping to Mastodon or something else that he thinks could be clunky. And, and you know, Twitter, because of its its format is just so easy and so, I guess, intuitive. And he said a lot of these people that say they're leaving are just like people who said they're moving to Canada, you know, and that ultimately they're they're going to stick around. But, you know, who knows? I, I could see just what you said. You know, I could see this exodus picking up steam depending on, on what happens over these next few months. Perhaps most challenging thing for for myself as a communication strategist and somebody who thinks about this and and uh, and quite a bit and is that. Uh, our options for reaching the broad scale audiences have really fractured. You know, 15 years ago, we had local TV, over the air TV was much more dominant. There were terrestrial radio feeds or radio stations that we could get information out to. There was actually local news stations, even in rural parts of the country that you could you could communicate with. Uh, so much of that now has become uh, consolidated. And, uh, you know, the newspaper industry, as you and I both know, uh, Jeff, is, has changed dramatically. So, uh, the, the, these opportunities for these broad-scale mass communication platforms that were efficient and that government agencies could tap into for delivering information are are not as available to us as they were. And so um, that's why Twitter is so uh, inviting and, and accommodating to to the government agencies putting out information. And I, and I feel like some of our strategy, part, the part of our brain where we really think about in our communications business, how we're doing what we're doing has maybe atrophied a little bit. We've gotten a little too used to just putting out a tweet and and not really thinking about strategically, are we catching the audiences and are we giving them the information that they need, where they need it and when they need it? Yeah, I think that's that's a good point for all of us. We should always be thinking about that for sure. But uh, I do think, I, I'm really glad you, you brought this up because obviously I've been following this story very closely with Musk and everything that's going on, but I hadn't really thought. And and our social media coordinator Jesse Ball, who's very very good, uh, has updated me and said that you know we started to lose followers right away when the sale became final, but that they seem to be trickling back. But you know I just I think it's going to be fascinating to watch where this goes and whether or not another platform emerges, whether it's former you know Twitter employees uh, working with somebody else. Um, you know, something's something's going to be out there either because of, you know, a reset at Twitter itself or because another platform rises up and and says we can do this and do it better. But it'll be fun to watch. It has been fun to watch. It's been fun. To, it's been fun to sort of be around the, the rise of social media and the evolution of mass media in particular. So um, this is just another chapter. And, uh, you know, the the. The people who are who are thoughtful and leaders in this space um, will at least be asking the questions. Whether it changes our course, that's left to be decided. But asking the questions and really thinking about it strategically, I think that's the key thing that I would advise people to be doing right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, lawmakers and policymakers are going to have a role, too. There's definitely going to be more congressional hearings as time goes on and more of these things will be, you know, for better or worse, will be litigated that way. 
Well, thanks, Lloyd. Um, two good topics. I'm really glad you could make time today. And uh, I appreciate it as always and really hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jeff. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. You can find show notes and more information at either the Buzzsprout site or on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank the people who work on this podcast and make it as good as it can be each week. Chiefly, Randy Debler, who does the audio editing. Also, Jackie Salinas, who puts the transcript together. Jesse Ball, who proofreads the show notes. And Courtney Bates, who posts the podcasts on the various platforms. 